Welcome to Season 4 of Trying Our Best, a mother-daughter pop culture podcast. Hi, I'm Michelle. And I'm Ayla. And today we're talking about Season 4, Episode 3 of The Good Place. So everything's going great. Chidi has started his philosophy class. Um, They're doing good, and Eleanor and Michael are feeling pretty confident about, um, about this project. But... Then we find out that Chidi isn't really taking this philosophy class very seriously because Chidi is chillaxing, the combination between Chidi and relaxing. So he's not stressed out about how much is at stake because in his mind, he did so good on earth that he's in the good place and all he can do is relax and have fun. This leads to Eleanor and Michael reflecting on the fact that when Chidi helped Eleanor, it put him into a position of moral quandary that he didn't know what to do about it that he was being tortured too I mean that was part of Michael's entire original plan and so they ultimately decide that if they want this plan to work they've got to torture Chidi elsewhere Tahani is trying to Tahani's just found a new plan to help John become a better person she thinks that he was so mean on earth because he felt left out because he was excluded from the rich and famous class that he definitely wanted to be a part of. So she thinks that if she's just kind to him now and makes him feel welcome, that that will change his personality, that that will make him more self-aware and less less cruel. So she invites him to a spa day. She's like really nice to him. They, they share hot goss, but he's still being really mean and she doesn't know how to fix it. He ultimately isn't taking any responsibility for anything he did on Earth, and her efforts to just be nice to him until he changes his mind aren't getting her anywhere. Eleanor is really getting into torturing um, Chidi, and whenever they think it's enough, Eleanor says that they need to go harder. So the way that they do this is the same way they did it originally, except for instead of Eleanor, it's Jason, who Eleanor and Michael are pretending they still think is Jianyu, and he confesses to Chidi, I don't belong here, I'm a fraud, I need you to help me, and Eleanor very sneakily gets Chidi to promise to help who she calls Jianyu, so he feels trapped if he outs Jianyu to Jason, or if he outs Jason to Eleanor and Michael, then he has broken his promise to Eleanor and harmed Jason. But if he continues to keep this secret, then he is breaking his own moral code of not lying. In fact, he gets so pushed into position that he tells an outright lie. There becomes a little bonfire ceremony where they each get their fire stones, and when they toss it into the bonfire, the thing that their soul truly desires will appear. And when Jason wants to try... Um, Chidi's like, no, no, it'll show you what you want to appear and not Jay on you. It'll blow our cover. And he tosses it anyway and appears a sexually explicit motorcycle. So in order to keep Jason from being found out, Chidi lies. Chidi says, oh, that's mine. Um, you know, that was my rock. This is, this is what my heart really desires. Even though it's pretty obvious to anyone who's watching that Chidi has no idea how to ride the motorcycle and he's not really interested in it. Um, but remember that Chidi is a Kantian. Chidi believes that it's never okay to tell a lie. He believes that being able to tell absolute truth is the, the height of 
his moral code. But in this case, he was trapped because if he didn't tell the lie, then he wasn't helping Jason to his fullest abilities. And he had also made that promise. So he was he was ca- caught in a position where he couldn't uphold all of his moral standards at the same time. And it is making him absolutely miserable. And the more miserable Chidi gets, the more happy Eleanor gets. Even after the plan to get Chidi into a point of discomfort so that he'll really do the work of helping Jason become a better person through the through the philosophy lessons and therefore help everybody else too, that plan is working, but Eleanor just keeps pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. And Jason warns her and says, hey, he's already really stressed out. I don't think you need to go any further. And then later, Michael warns her and says, look, he's completely on the edge. I don't think we need to push him anymore. But Eleanor's like, no, 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 it's fine. It needs to go further. It needs to go further. Until finally, she realizes that the real reason she's been pushing him is what, Ayla? When Eleanor breaks down and starts crying, she realizes that she was angry at Chidi because he had erased all of his memories of her and left her, and she was upset, and she wanted revenge. So I think the thing we can take away from this is that sometimes we might not really understand our own motivations and our own actions, that our emotions could be kind of operating under the surface and getting the better of us. Do you think that's something that's ever happened to you? Probably. I mean, the point of you not even knowing it is that you don't know it. So I've probably done that before. Well, and I think that it's our responsibility to have some self-reflection. I was just I was just thinking about um, it was just some silly meme I saw online that was like, if you find that you hate everybody, it's probably time for a nap. If you think that everyone hates you, you probably need to eat something. And it's this idea that if you're just in the wrong headspace, if you are in, if you if your needs aren't taken care of, it can make you make judgments on the world around you that aren't particularly accurate. I have noticed that like dehydration or hunger has affected the way I treat people. And I've noticed that sometimes if I've had a really bad interaction with someone, I might carry that over into other relationships or other interactions. Like if I, my day started out really bad, I might be grumpy with other people that didn't have anything to do with the part that made my day start out bad. And sometimes it's not even an interaction with a real person. If I've just read a lot of really sad news stories or things that made me angry and I haven't even talked to anybody, but now I might be kind of cranky with people I love, people I care about just because I'm in sort of a bad mood. And so I think sometimes we have to kind of check in with those emotions and where they're coming from so that we're being fair to the people around us and treating them the way that they deserve to be treated based on their actual interactions with us. That's really interesting. Um, the fact that if you just read about something sad, you'll like you'll feel sad with other people. So I once was having a really good day, and then I read this story about a dog who died, and it made me sad. But I still had a good day. But if I have sad interaction with other people, then I'll have a bad day. So I don't know. Maybe it's different with different people. Well, yeah, and the example that I was giving was was kind of about news stories that were really affecting me. I don't I don't think like fiction tends to make me like if I watch something that is not true, that is sad, it might make me feel sad while I'm watching it, but I don't generally carry that over into my day. But if I read like news stories about something sad that's happening in the real world, sometimes that will kind of carry over. So basically what we're saying here is that it's important to listen to your body and not not mix up your needs with how you treat other people. So one similarity we saw between the two main stories in this week's episode is that 
in both cases, when it comes to Chidi and when it comes to John, there is a decision that they need to be tougher, right? That they need to they need to um, be more direct. That they can't coddle them. That they can't be kind to them. Um, in particular, we see this very directly with Tahani and John. She's been trying to be his friend. She's been trying to be nice to him. She thinks that if she's nice enough, he'll eventually come around. But when that doesn't work, what does she do instead? Well, Janet suggests that she punch him in the face, but she thinks that um, that she needs to be um, direct with him and just tell him straight to his face that he's being mean and that he needs to stop. When she does that, he first gets really defensive and just walks away from her and is definitely not hearing her. But eventually she sympathizes with him and tells him, look, you know, you were lonely and you felt excluded because you were so obsessed with your status. And guess what? Me too. And even though I made it into those VIP rooms, even though I was on the cover of all those magazines, I was still just as lonely as you. And we both need to learn the lesson that our status and what other people think of us is not what makes us who we are. And so by being very direct about the impact that he had on her and other people's lives, and sympathizing with him and showing that she understood where that emotion and decision was coming from, she really did kind of break down his defenses and made him able to admit that he did something wrong and possibly start to get better. So on that happy note, let's get to our question of the day. Is tough love ever the answer? So pause the podcast, think about it, talk about it, maybe even write about it, and then come back. Welcome back. So we're talking about whether or not tough love is ever the answer. And this is a hard question for me because I think sometimes tough love is just used as an excuse to be rude or mean. Um, I'm an educator, so I've definitely seen people use the excuse of being tough on students in a way that they say they're trying to support them that I just really don't think actually helps anyone. Um, In particular, I used to teach at a community college and some um, some of my fellow teachers had really, really strict rules about like, if you came into class five minutes late, you were locked out of the room. Or if you didn't meet their dress code, they wouldn't let you come to class. And a lot of these things just felt like they were excluding students um, who may have had very good reasons for running late. I mean, we had a lot of students who were commuters who maybe the bus was late and they couldn't get there any earlier. Or maybe their childcare situation meant that they got there as fast as they could. And I always told my students, like, look, I, I want you in the class for as much as you can be here. If you come in 15 minutes late, then come in 15 minutes late. I still want you to hear it. If you come in, you know, it's a 50-minute class. If you come in 40 minutes late and only get the last 10 minutes, well, that's still better than nothing. And um, some of my colleagues would say that I was being too soft, that I wasn't being tough enough on my students. And I really just, for me, it was a matter of respect and it was a matter of, of trying to care about my students. And so often when I hear tough love, it makes me think of those memories of, of hearing people who I thought were being just kind of mean and, and setting standards for the sake of watching other people fail. So it sounds like you may have had like a bad experience with tough love. I have like a different idea of it. So it sounds like um, those people that you were talking about were using that as an excuse to be mean to their students. 
when I think of tough love, I think of it as a last resort when somebody just like won't listen to you and like won't follow the rules or won't do what you need them to do. Then tough love might be the option where you like are a little mean to them, but for good reason. And that's definitely the way that it plays out in the show today, right? Like Tahani is given some tough love to John. Um, and it does work. Ultimately, he he really does kind of break down some of his barriers and admit some of his wrongdoing and start to move forward. Um, I'm trying to think about, like, when I would use these examples in real life. And I do think that sometimes tough love just means setting a boundary. Like, if you have a friend who is not being very kind to you and is not respecting you very much, you might have to set a boundary and say, hey, I'm not going to hang out with you if you treat me that way. And I don't know if that's necessarily tough love as so much as just being having respect for yourself and setting your own boundaries, but I think that sometimes they can look the same in practice. But what we see with Eleanor and Chidi is that tough, tough love can definitely go too far and that it's important to, you know, know how far you take it. Well, and the big difference here is motive, right? Like, Tahani is being tough on John because she's ultimately trying to help John. But Eleanor was being tough on Chidi because Eleanor was angry. It went beyond where she was actually trying to help the situation and help Chidi improve. She was doing it for her own kind of just meanness and and kind of trying to punish him for abandoning her. And so definitely, as so many of these philosophical questions do, it, it comes down to an issue of motive as well. Like, why are you doing it? Are you acting to help? help them or are you acting to make yourself feel better so back to the show and Eleanor she's just feeling really guilty about what she did to Chidi because she told him when he was sacrificing his memories she said that she would take care of him and um she's she wasn't fulfilling that And then Michael says that human feelings, he didn't really understand those being a demon. Um, But he says that he finds them really complicated and that um, humans are usually happy when they should be sad and um, angry when they should be happy and texting when they should be driving. That wasn't related, but he said it. Um, And he says that you can't really control when you feel them for the wrong reasons. So when it gets down to it, there's a big lesson about kind of understanding that the way that you feel internally might not always be within your control, but the way that you treat people as a result of that still is your responsibility, I think is kind of where the show lands. And it seems like kind of where we're landing too with our discussion of tough love and and how, how to best interact with other people. So we should wrap up our episode with a cliffhanger. So... um Tahani is on the right path with John, and everything's going great, and they're ready to move on to the next step. But we switch to some train tracks where there's a mysterious figure in a dark cloak, um, like going towards the fake good place, and we don't know what that dark cloak person or demon or whatever it is is doing there join us next week when we come back to figure out who that is and just what kind of trouble they're going to cause for our soul squad 